Hello, welcome to Tea Time with Marcella. I hope that you will leave today encouraged and enlightened. I was thinking about the ideal woman. We all love to see heroines in our society, women who are great at encouraging others, uplifting others, great at outreach, great at loving others, showing love, great encouragers, people of influence, devoted to the cause, devoted to their cause, to outreach, to ministry, to helping others. We all love to see women like that. I was thinking about Esther, Queen Esther, chapter 4, verse 14 of the New Living Translation talks about her influence. She was very influential. Mordecai had said to her, who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this, for such a time as right now. We're reading from the New Living Translation. Now, Esther was beautiful. Outwardly, she was very beautiful. She didn't have to be excessive in order to be beautiful. She didn't wear a lot of gaudy, flashy jewelry. She didn't wear a lot of fancy hairstyles or fancy clothes. She was simple in her dress. And that even made her more beautiful. You'll find um, in 1 Peter 3 and 4 that outward beauty is considered, um, you know, the skin is beautiful and everything. But flashy jewelry, fancy hairstyles, fancy clothing, beautiful clothing. All of this helps to aid in a woman's beauty. But Queen Esther was simplistic. And the fact that she was naturally beautiful and she possessed an inner beauty, meaning she was pure, reverent, she was gentle and quiet inwardly. She, you know, possessed those things that doesn't fade. She possessed an inner beauty that would never fade. She trusts God. She loved God. She reverenced God. She was found fasting. She was found praying. So what is it in you um, that makes you truly beautiful? Well, There's an old saying, what's in you is going to come out. (laughs) So 
the fact that she trusts God, she was pure, she was reverent, she was gentle and quiet, that came out of her and it made her beautiful. Um, her beauty was noticed by others and her position and status got her um, an audience. She received an audience because of her position and status. Her prayerfulness caused her to have courage and she received some answers to her prayers. She used her influence and her position and status to help others. So she was very influential because she used what she had, not just for herself, but for her people. I was thinking about dedication and devotion. In Luke, the second chapter, verses 36 to 38, there is an 84-year-old woman who was said to be a prophet. She was widowed after seven years of marriage. She'd been married for seven years and lost her husband. And it says in Luke that she went into the temple. She stayed in the temple day and night kind of like our nuns in our society today. They are always in the temple. Um, everything they do is around the temple, around the church. She didn't remarry. She worshiped God. She gave herself to fasting and praying. And God used her gift uh, of prophecy. He used her as a prophet. In keeping with her faithfulness and devotion, she sees the object of her affection. She's been waiting on the Christ, the Messiah. She's been waiting on him to come. Once she lost her husband, she just fully gave herself over to God. And she's been waiting on the Messiah. She's now 84 years old, and sure enough, she gets to see and to witness that the Messiah has come. And she does something that a lot of us may not do. She started to tell everyone what she saw. She started telling everybody about Jesus, about the Messiah. How many of us, when we see a miracle or when we see something happen that is a blessing, how many of us share it? When we receive an answer to our prayers, do we go out and tell everyone that God answered our prayers? Do we share it with everyone that we know? I don't know how many people actually do that. If you get a new job, you've been praying for a job and the Lord blesses you with that job or he blesses you with that promotion, you go around telling everybody, God is a miracle worker. God answered my prayers. God will answer your prayers. 
God is in the is in the employment business. You know how many of us give God all the credit? How many of us draw attention to Him and His ability rather than our own ability? And then there is the encouraging woman, the encourager. First Samuel, the twenty-fifth chapter, verses twenty-five through thirty-one talks about Abigail and how she encouraged David before he became king. She encouraged him to ignore and pay no attention to the wicked Nabal. She encouraged him to accept her gift of bread, wine, meat, um, roasted grain and cakes of figs and raisins. She encouraged him to realize and take notice that God's hand of favor was on his life. You know, she told him, you're going to be a ruler. You will have clean hands and a clear conscience if you just fight the Lord's battles. If you do, if you do good, if you resist the devil, if you pay no attention to Nabal, if you don't take matters into your own hands, if you don't take revenge, if you would just do that, you'll have clean hands and a clean conscience. She was encouraging him to be ready for his coming position that he would be able to walk into his new position with a clear conscience. She encouraged him to do good and resist the devil. Now there is the altruistic woman, the selfless woman. She's unselfish. She's altruistic. In Ruth, the second chapter, it talks about how Ruth followed her mother-in-law even though her husband is deceased. She follows her mother-in-law back to um, the mother-in-law's home to where she came from. And when she gets there, she chooses to go glean in the fields and picks up the leftover grain. When she's offered some roasted grain, she doesn't greedily eat it all. She saves some for her mother-in-law. She's selfless. She's not selfish. She's considerate. Not only that, but she's kind to her mother-in-law. She's concerned for her mother-in-law. How many of us choose to be concerned about others? How many of us would go and work in the fields and share part of our money or what we glean from the, from the vegetables and the grain? How many of us would share with someone who is not our own blood? How many of us would adopt that person as mother or father or brother or sister and treat them like they are blood family? Not only that, 
but Ruth was so loving. She loved Naomi. She was good to Naomi. She um, had a child to continue on Naomi's bloodline. His name was Obed. And Obed bare a son named Jesse. And Jesse bare a son named David. And I don't mean bear, I mean gay, had a son. <laughs> but she was loving. She didn't just think about herself, but she knew that having a son that Naomi could call her grandson would be a benefit to Naomi. So Ruth was loving. Ruth was loyal. And God is calling us to be the ideal woman. God is calling us uh, influential in how we help people. He's calling us to be dedicated and devoted. He's calling us to encourage. He's calling us to be altruistic, selfish, not selfish, but selfless. He is calling us to be loving. Well, I hope you have been encouraged today and enlightened. See you next time right here on Tea Time with Marcella.